0: Welcome to The Success Ascent. My name is Pat Mancuso, the creator and host of our show. Today we interview Travis Rossback. Now you may not know Travis's name, however I am most certain you probably know the product that he created in the company he founded called Hydroflask. Hydroflask is a highly successful, a billion dollar company. What Travis shares with us today is his journey of success, and the thing that I would share with you to to encourage you to listen to the entire episode is how Travis burned the boats to start Hydro Flask, risked it all, put everything on the table, as well as what it took to get the company off the ground. I know you're going to enjoy Travis's interview today, so on to the ascent. Welcome to the Success Ascent. My name is Pat Mancuso, and we are extremely excited today to welcome An amazing gentleman. I'm going to tell you his story in a little bit. However, um, we are excited that you're here. And uh, if you uh, have any questions or comments, we'd love to have you put those in uh, the the chat box, wherever you're watching or or listening from. You can also go to www.thesuccessascent.com for updates and to subscribe to get our updates. So I want to introduce to you a gentleman by the name of Travis Rossback. and I'm going to give you an intro to Travis, yet I'm just going to mention before I do, Hydro Flask. Because Travis was the creator of Hydro Flask, and I'm going to give you the background on Travis, and then we're going to talk about his journey of success. So first of all, Travis is a lifelong student of business, acting as an advisor, consultant, public speaker, and a business coach to a wide variety of industries, celebrities, and even countries. I might wanna hear about that one, Travis. He not only shares his trade craft with others, but practices, practices it in many startups that he's currently involved with. As I just said earlier, he was the founder of Hydroflask and many other high, highly successful ventures. Now here's the fun part about Travis. This is what I love. They call him Captain Travis. Uh, he actually is a, a scuba dive master instructor. He's a U.S. merchant marine boat captain, and that's 50 tons. So that's must, how much they must measure the pilot uh, captain there. Commercial pilot, standing world explorer, long standing world explorer, yoga instructor, and Ricky practitioner. Travis, what don't you do? Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Pat, for having me. It's great to be here. So
0: Travis, I always have fun with my guests and say that was the official kind of on paper intro. Tell us really who Travis is.
1: I'm really a doctor and <laughs> I'm going back to med school. Actually, I decided I'm going to spend the next 12 years just going to med school, Pat. I <laughs>
0: love it.
1: I love it. I'm definitely not a doctor, nor do I play one on TV, nor do I want to go back to school. Um, I'm a, I think I'm a pretty okay, decent. I think I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. Um, I am a father. I love to travel. I love to do business. I really actually, I would say I, you know, like without my, my daughter, uh, you know, what, what's that word? Outstanding, not standing, not standing, my daughter, not counting my daughter business is what I really love to do the most. I love to help businesses grow. I love to grow businesses. And, um, I've got a bunch of property. I love to chainsaw down noxious weeds called juniper trees. And I like to scuba dive and I like to do that kind of stuff. I do the Travis thing for the most part.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, you're out in Bend, Oregon and what beautiful country out there. So it, it obviously uh, provides a number of opportunities to do that. So so Travis, I mean, let, let's start back with your success journey. Um, where did the idea for the hydro flask come from?
1: Well, that's a good question, Pat. the The original sort of idea kind of came as a two or three pronged part. I think the first part was I owned uh, a, a screen printing and sign shop in in Oahu called Oahu Screens, Signs, and Screen Printing, and one day I got a catalog that had a little tiny screen printer for like a single wall aluminum water bottle. And they said, oh, you know, you can print on keychains or you can print on water bottles or you can print on this is or that's or the others. I kind of thought, well, that'd be interesting. I wonder what that means, water bottle and and printing on it. That's interesting. And so I kind of told my brother about it. I was like, hey, I got this idea to start a water bottle company. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm just too busy. He was living on his boat at the time and he was just too busy for it. So I kind of put it, you know, I shelved that idea and kind of put it to the back of my mind. And then one day I was really thirsty and I went into Honolulu to a sporting goods store to go pick up a a plastic water bottle because that's really all I knew at the time um, from working out here in Oregon at a Red Point Climber Supply. We always would just drink out of the plastic water bottles. So I went into the sporting goods store to go buy a water bottle and the whole shelf, the whole wall was completely empty. And I asked the guy who was, who was running it, I said, like, who's going to fill up this wall? Where are all these bottles? And he said, well, there's this stuff called BPA. We're not really sure much about it. It's a new thing. The owner as a safety precaution, pulled the bottles. We don't know what's going to happen. I said, well, who's going to fill up this wall? And he said, nobody. There's There's no one else building water bottles making water bottles right now and i just said i will i'll do that and it, it just like came in the back of my head it came out through my mouth and and i just said it and he and he laughed at me and the amount of time in between it was just like a bill second in between me saying that and him laughing i saw myself on stage like 10 years later talking about these water bottles and i was like yep that's i know that's what i'm going to do and and that's kind of the, the, how it all kind of started.
0: So you walk in, you see an idea, you put it out, you put, you, you kind of, uh, all of a sudden, boom! There it comes out of your mouth.
1: Yeah, like I I thought it was the cerebellum, um, but I actually just talked to a brain specialist neuroscientist or whatever they're called. And just the other day, and I asked him, I said, is it the cerebellum? And he said, no, it's a little bit deeper in. And he gave me another name, but I, I can't remember. I just call it the cerebellum.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know what? You call it whatever you want, because obviously what an incredible success story. And, and as I understand, is it true that you started that company with $11,000?
1: It It is. Yeah, we took, um, we basically sold everything we owned to get the first minimum order quantity, the first MOQ, which is 3000 bottles. And we realized that, okay, we bought the bottles and we don't have much money. So then we literally sold everything in the house and literally everything except for one bag for myself, one uh, one bag for my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, at the end of that day, we had $11,000 in our pocket and, uh, and, and 3,000 water bottles.
0: Yeah. So talk about burning the boats that you, you burned the boats. There was no going back at this point.
1: It, no. Yeah. There was no, there was no real plan B ever, you know, like I could have gone back to being a boat captain or a dive instructor. Um, but it never, it was never like on the top of the list. Like that was never really an option.
0: So what, how old were you then? When was
1: that? Uh, <laughs> I was born in 78, and this is 2008. <laughs> so 78 to 08 is? 78 to 08 is 30. 30. I was 30 years old.
0: You were 30 years old. Yeah. Wow. 30 years old, burn, 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 the, burn the boats, and now you're going all in on this idea. So what happens next? So you buy the bottles. What happens next?
1: Yeah. So we ordered 3000 and we paid for 1500 because uh, we, we ran out of money. <laughs> and so we got 1500 bottles that came in and um, we took them up to the Portland Saturday market under the burns by, by an, under the Burnside bridge and um, set up a little table on the, on the railroad tracks and started slanging bottles and it started going fairly well. We were, we were selling through people were, were loving them. They were a great product and, and we're having a lot of fun with it and ended up having a guy from the, uh, or some reporters, I should say from the bend bulletin, the local newspaper, they showed up, we were at a munching music Thursday night event, selling water bottles. They said, Hey, would you mind if we do a interview with you guys? And we're like, yeah, sure. No problem. Did the interview, completely forgot about it. Evidently, it did publish in the paper. And uh, the following Thursday, when we were at Munching Music here in Bend, the strangest thing happened. This guy came up and he said, Hey, I'm a sales rep. I saw you in the newspaper. Can I sell your bottles? And I thought, Well, we're selling bottles. What do you mean, sales rep? What, what is that? You know, and I had no idea. And he said, no, 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 I take your bottles to other stores and I sell them to stores that then sell them. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Like a middleman. Cool. So we gave him some bottles and he took off, started selling them and called like four or five days later and, and said, hey, how many bottles do you have left? And we gave him the number and he said, those are all mine. Plus I need another like 600. <laughs> like, okay, great. So we ordered the second round of 1500 because bootstrapping now we could afford them. Got the second round of 1,500 in and sold through those even before they landed. Uh, then we ordered 20,000, same thing, sold through those uh, before they even landed. Picked up a lot more employees, a lot more sales reps, and it was like off to the races.
0: Wow. Wow. So that was 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 2008,
1: 2009,
0: 2010. Yeah, yeah. And so – so you went from basically eleven thousand to a billion in sales, as I understand it. Correct?
1: That's what they're doing nowadays. Yes. Yeah, wow. They're doing in excess of a billion dollars.
0: <laughs> wow. that something. Well, you know, you know what I love about this, Travis, is is first of all, you had an idea and you executed. And a lot of times, people have ideas and they don't do anything with them, and and you know, they die on the vine out in the parking lot, if you may. And then you, you, you did the second great thing that uh, many successful entrepreneurs do and you go all in. I mean, you, you, you burned the boats and you went all in. And now the third thing that you did was you actually went out and sold it. I mean, you went out to the streets to the, you know, the local mart and you're starting to sell them. And, and, you know, that's really what I think is the difference between everybody who wants to be an entrepreneur and have success and, in others, I mean, you did what you needed to do that most other people aren't willing to do. So I just love that. So now you're on this huge trajectory. You're taking off. You're you're. Tell me about the growth of the company and and how you dealt with that. Like you know, you're a captain of a boat and you're a marine diver and all this, and now you're running this multi-million dollar company. How was that? Like, what did you learn? What did you experience?
1: Oh boy, yeah. Yeah, like how much time do we have? <laughs> we got lots of time. I learned a lot. Um I I was I, I studied business pretty much my whole life. I, I started studying business when I was uh 12. We had a, a next-door neighbor who died and I inherited his his bookshelf basically and it was all Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, uh you know, business type success books and and I just Poured my soul into these these business books and learning the art and philosophy of business and how it you know works at least on paper, negotiations and all these different you know crazy tactics that you know at twelve thirteen years old it was kind of cool because I got to go out and you know practice on my un- unsuspecting friends and stuff <laughs> so I, I was really. I was really excited about, you know, this was, I think Hydro Flask was like my third or fourth business and it was the first time that I was actually selling a product outside of our our, our demographic and our geographic uh, location. Like we had a fence company, but we sold to the local, you know, area, Uh, the sign company, we would send signs over to Maui, but we were pretty much a, a Wahoo based company. And so this is my first time kind of learning about how to get a product, A, from the Far East, uh, B, to, you know, the far reaches of Florida and and how to do all that. But then on top of that, as we were growing, um, of course, employees and sales reps and, 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 so. So.
0: What what challenges? Like what challenges? Like what was the biggest challenge you feel like you overcame in that journey?
1: I, I would say that the the biggest challenge was sort of a financial one. I think a lot of people, when they start a business or when they think about doing a business, they think, okay, well, if I don't get enough sales, I'm going to go out of business, and that's very true. The other side of that coin is if you get too many sales and you can't afford the products, then you can also go out of business. And I think that that the, the the means and ways to take on capital are, are very diverse and very, you know, very complicated at times. And sometimes you have to, you know, make deals and arrangements that, you know, maybe not the best for you, but the best for the company and, uh, I think the financial side, I would say, Pat, is, is kind of the most um, learning that I, I got to do.
0: Well, and, you know, and I love the fact that you talked about, I mean, what a great inheritance, a bookshelf of all those great authors. And, and you know, and you learned it early enough, which, which I think is also common with many entrepreneurs, right? There's a mentor or coach or something in their background. So when you were growing Hydro Flask, what did you enjoy the most about that?
1: I think the customer feedback was, was probably my greatest driver and, and what I enjoyed the most. I mean, being, I really, really, really love being on the street, selling a product to people who get to enjoy it right there in front of me. Like I get to see their physical facial reaction, whole body reacts to, oh my goodness, this is amazing. They'd never seen ice in a water bottle before. It just, it hadn't happened. So to see those aha moments on our customers that I just loved that and then traveling all around the planet, getting that same reaction from people on the far side of the world was just it was incredible.
0: Well, I told you when we started you know I have a 13 year old and I think we own like 12 of those hydro flasks and you know the thing that when, when she gets them, she also orders what you shared with me was an aftermarket deal and they they decorate these these bottles and then they take them to school and the kids i mean it's 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 almost like a cult i mean it's kind of crazy and she just lights up with it so i mean i could see that how you know you get to experience that and and how that'd be pretty cool
1: it, it is yeah and yeah that that you know without sounding all weird and creepy and and, and whatever else uh, you know it's at the risk of sounding that I, that kind of cult following is kind of what I wanted to build into it. I I really, I had a thought that, well, if we could kind of build a cult following, then we're going to be okay. And we really are going to be the best water bottle on the planet. And and so that was all kind of built into the DNA of it is that all these years later, your daughter would be like obsessed with putting stickers on a piece of metal. Like that was, that was all pre pre cognition.
0: Well, what I'm obsessed with is why isn't the one that she has good enough? Why is there a different one? And that just is innovation, right? Like, you know, the water bottle lasts forever. And yet she needs another one, which is, you know, which is awesome sales. I mean, I I love that. So
1: that was a big, uh, a big lesson also. Like, um, you know, I heard multiple times people would say, Travis, if you give a lifetime warranty, people won't come back to buy two. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to invest in you because you might sell a $20 water bottle, but that's going to be it. Nobody's ever going to come back. Nowadays, they're $40 and people have $10. So, yeah,
0: yeah exactly. So, um, I want to ask you one other question about Hydro Flask and then I want to, I want to shift gears. What caused you to, to sell the company? I mean, the high trajectory? Was it just time? Was it? Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of factors. Um, I, I'd i been going through a lot, and, and the company had been going through a lot. We were in multiple countries. We were in every sort of sporting good and health food and other store that I ever like set out my my goals to get into REI while we were in REI, to get into the government while we were in the government, to get in Dick's and Cabela's and Sportsmen's and, and, and. We were in all of these stores and, um, I found that I was having to do more of the like business side of things from the office. I was still traveling quite a bit to go out and do deals and negotiations and things, but I was having to do more, um, not even HR. You know, of course we had an HR person that luckily I didn't have to deal with that, but I just had to get wrapped up in more of the mundane type of stuff, which I really enjoy growing the businesses. I really enjoy the marketing and sales and just the, you know, brainstorm stages of business. And once we kind of, of course, the trajectory was like straight up in the air, but it also to me felt like it was kind of plateauing as far as, you know, we were doing well enough that I didn't have to quite hustle quite as much. And, uh, my brother died. I just gotten married to my first wife. And, um, you know, we were having these frivolous lawsuits flying around because, you know, the bigger you get, of course, people want to come and take it from you. Right. And I, I think really the best way to explain it is just that the season was over. You know, I, I typically go for about four years before I get tired and ready to move on. Not tired physically, but like mentally tired, bored. And, and ready to move on. And it'd been about five, six years. And so I was, I was ready to just, you know, go travel the planet and do other stuff.
0: Well, clearly, clearly. And, and, you know, interesting as a coaching consultant, a lot of people have that type of pattern where, you know, it's a window that they're in and they they, they kind of hit that ceiling, hit that plateau, want more creativity. So uh, that's very, very common. So so you shift gears and, and before you do, you, we talked before we started, and you made a comment to me, I want to probe a little bit that, you know, we people have all this success. Mm-hmm. And then it's what happens after success, which is kind of surprising. Talk a little bit about that, if you would, like you sold the company. And and then there was kind of an experience, you, you know, like around success that you didn't expect.
1: Uh, yeah, there were well, quite a few, really. I mean, the books that I had read, everything from the Idiot's Guide to Business and How to Get Rich Idiot's Guide or, or, or whatever they're called, all the way through to the, you know, really textbook heavy verbiage and, 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 and philosophy business books. None of the books that I read or courses I took or lectures I went to, none of them really talked about the day after success. And I think that the day after success was something that um, I, I def, I, I absolutely, definitely was not prepared for, and I think it is maybe a lot similar to people who win the lottery, and all of a sudden their friends and families and complete strangers come out of the woodwork. Um, after Hydro Flask sold again, it uh, was in the paper for for a fairly large number, and you know, two hundred million, and people thought that Travis had the two hundred million, like just sitting. You know, like in my glove box or something, and and that was something that I didn't really anticipate.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and I, you know, like like you said, like the lottery. You know, in their stories about that happening, I just can't even imagine. So so you you move forward, and now you're you're helping companies do exactly what you did with Hydro Flask, and that sounds really cool because it's not just one company; it's multiple companies.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. With the Tumalo group. Now what I get to do is exactly what I love to do, which is I get to spend time helping others grow their businesses. And yet I don't have to deal with the minutia, which is, which is awesome. I'm like, at such a happy place in my life. And and it's great because, you know, it's, it's a very difficult process to get a product that it, it works. It's just what you're looking for. And to get it out to the public, it, it can be quite a, a quite the process. But I've done it so many times, and I've got such a great Rolodex full of friends, and and you know they're now family, you know all these decades later, who I've been working with uh, for such a long time that it, we've we've taken a lot of the guesswork out and taken a lot of the the pain and sorrow away from getting products made, um, you know anywhere really.
0: So now I know I'm one person away because I have all these ideas, Travis, and I tell them to my family, I go, we should, but they should have this and they go, dad, you're nuts. Nobody yep. will ever buy that. Well, now I just call you up and say, Travis, I got this idea. What do you think?
1: Totally, Pat. Yeah, let's do that. Totally. I
0: love that. Yep. I love that. Well, we talked about it. We, we got this camera idea.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I like that idea a lot.
0: Yeah. We're gonna, we're, so those of you listening, we're going to create a camera that makes us look like somebody different, like perfect. I'm thinking Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt for me. I don't know what Travis, I don't, you didn't decide who you were gonna be, but.
1: I was gonna take the other, yeah. Whichever. yeah the other,
0: the other. <laughs> okay, so so let me ask you this. Um, what drives you or motivates you when, when things get hard, when things get challenging?
1: Oh, great question, Pat. I, I think that it, it's kind of a case specific um, different times of my life. I've been driven by different motivators right now. I'm driven by my daughter. I've got a four year old daughter and she's the reason why I keep getting up and doing what I'm doing. And I'm not, you know, on the far side of the world up in, in some Montessori uh, retreat area or something, or an ashram somewhere I'm here working in this, you know, civilized society. Uh, doing what I'm doing right now, it's because of my daughter. Back in the day, it was you know mere survival. I had to, I had to eat. I had to pay rent. I had financial uh, incentives, and so I think it just kind of, it's it's dependent upon the time that I'm in and what I'm doing.
0: So, so you you uh, uh, mentioned in in uh, in our discussions and some of the information. It, how do you approach marketing? Like right now, you know, you, I mean, I know how you approach it for Hygur Flask and it was on the street. I mean, that's how you were marketing that product. What would you coach an entrepreneur or business owner today relative to marketing?
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a, that's a good and tricky question because, yeah, nowadays, uh, you know, 2020 and, and beyond, is very different than 2019 and, and behind. And I still really believe in guerrilla marketing. I, I think that guerrilla marketing is, is still one of the cheapest, fastest, easiest ways to get your name out there. And when I say guerrilla marketing, I mean, pretty much anything that will get your name out there, banners, t-shirts, hats, stickers, getting them into the hands of people who may not even necessarily be a customer yet that are going to be, or who are going to be around other customers. Um, and then of course, you know, all of the online social media platforms and stuff is, is how most people are, are marketing these days. Um, influencers, of course, are, are, are still pretty popular. Um, but I think that things are also kind of changing. I think that we're, we're maybe going to find that influencers and social media are, are maybe not going to be working for us as well as, as we'd hoped for as long as we thought.
0: Yeah, I, I do think I agree with you that that the social, let's just say online social media has got some challenges right now based upon, you know, the country and the polarization and the divide. And, and so, however, it is funny and I don't make this up. I pulled the guerrilla marketing book off of my shelf before this session to reread it. So it's so funny that you mentioned that. It's like, I mean, I pulled it off cause I'm like, okay, what's old is now new. Right. I yeah, mean, right. So it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, what is your thoughts on, on um, MBAs and degrees in our world today?
1: I, I try to be very careful with that question. Don't be
0: careful. We're not careful on the show, Travis.
1: I think that if you can afford it, or your parents can afford it for you, um, and you have an interest, then I think that those schools can be very helpful. Um, they can teach you discipline. They can teach you the glossary of index of terms. It can teach you some, some language around business. Um, I think that that all is very good. I, I think yeah. like going into the military and learning discipline or going into college to learn discipline um, could be really helpful. You know, having to study, I, I mean, I, I never actually went to a college myself, um, but I can imagine, you know, staying up late, studying and, and, and having those long work hours um, would be very beneficial later on. However, I, I think that it's really just a good way to learn And then when you get out of those type of MBA programs, need to remember that you don't really know how business works. You just know how the theory works. And there's a big difference between YouTube and the streets. There's a big difference between the books in the classroom and the streets and how we do business in real life and how we do business sort of on the screens. I, I think there's a big difference.
0: Well, and even though you didn't go to college, I would make the argument that you went to the book university based upon the—I mean—that the inheriting your neighbor's bookshelf and you know what? A, there's an idea: is get people to inherit or to donate their books. You know, oh, yeah. Think about the library. I mean, I think about the library we have here at our office and the library I have at home. I mean, wow! There, there's an idea, Travis. I'm telling you.
1: I like that. Yeah, donating books to people who are like like worthy or like interested instead of giving them away to the library, giving them to people who actually would, would utilize them the most. I like that a lot, Pat. Okay. We got an idea.
0: So tell me what are some of the mistakes you wish you would have avoided in your journey?
1: Oh boy. Um, I have a tendency to sort of leap before I look and I don't know that that's really a mistake that I wish I would have avoided, but, um, because I think every time that I would leap, I would at least get the, the, you know, sort of once over and I'd have a little bit more knowledge from the last time that I leaped, leapt, leapt, I guess it's leapt probably. Um, So I don't know that that's really a mistake that I wish I would have learned, but I think to be maybe, I I think I maybe could have been a little, well, no, I don't want to say I could have been more cautious. Gosh, I I don't know that I have an answer for that. I, I I don't know what I would have done different.
0: Well, and you know what, it's, it's what, what's good sometimes is if we have those experiences that maybe we think we should have done differently, we put them out of our mind and we go, what did I learn from it? And then we move forward. So not, not uncommon.
1: That's what it is really is I moved forward from it. Yeah. 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 yeah, Thank you. That helps.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, so let me, let me ask you this question. I ask all my guests this as we kind of wind down and close out our sessions What's the best advice you were ever given that hopefully you followed?
1: I'm going to have to relate back to sort of situational. It I think that when a situation arrives and it's tough and it's very difficult and I don't know how I'm going to get through it, I think unseen forces really kind of come to my aid. And I think this happens to a lot of people, not just myself. I think it happens to, to most of us. I think when those tough times come some little gem, some little jewel will kind of pop up and say, you know, whether it's a Winston Churchill quote or a Brian Tracy quote or a, you know, Zig Ziglar quote, or it's a book or somebody sends you a link to watch a video or it's a motivational speech on YouTube or something like, I think that the just right motivation comes at the just right time. And I think that for me, it's been a multitude of different, messages over the years that have been all very micro specific to that circumstance.
0: I love it. I love it. And people too, people show up in your life all of a sudden. Yeah.
1: And yeah. You have no idea where they came from or why they're there or who they are or what their intentions are, but they leave and you're like, you're better for it.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that. And obviously you demonstrate that because we didn't have a relationship before today and Ashley reached out to you and, and you, now here you are. And now I've got a guy that I can take all my crazy ideas to. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, Travis. I'm excited.
1: And the crazier, the better, Pat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, my friend. Be careful what you wish for.
1: You will manifest, yeah.
0: So let's flip it upside down. What's the worst advice you've ever been given that hopefully you didn't follow? And if you did, what did you learn?
1: Oh, boy. Um, I think the some of the this won't work, you can't do that. We went to school, you didn't. We know you don't. And sort of sitting on my hands during those conversations, there have been a few times, not necessarily with hydro flask, but afterwards where I'll just have to kind of keep quiet or I I don't have to, but for some reason I just sort of keep quiet when people say, nah, it's not going to work. And I, it's not, I don't like that idea. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, But I I guess what I really learned from those people are those are just the people I don't want to work with. And so it's kind of a double edged sword when I get those, you know, oh, that's crazy. That'll never work. And then, holy cow, that, that worked, <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny because as a coach and a consultant over the years, I've always said to people, when somebody does that, that's their, their beliefs in themselves and they want to limit you or bring you down to where or below where they are. And if we buy into that story, then we're going to live the life they see for us and and not the life that we have the potential to lead. So, um, I, I, that's, you know, great, great advice actually to move forward with is don't listen to them. Don't pay attention to
1: them. I, I totally agree with you. And I, I think that that's maybe another thing that success has taught me is that when those naysayers do show up to say nay and those rock throwers show up to throw rocks, I mean, I've, I've constantly had this sort of metaphor in my mind that I've told other business friends and, and colleagues and, and, and clients of mine over the years is that, the bigger you get, the more people come out to throw rocks at you. Right. And sometimes you have to get hit. You deserve to get hit. Other times, and the majority of the times, it's just those little rock throwers that you just have to catch them, look at it and say, Look, this is not my rock. This is yours. Take your rock and and, and go on. Like this is not mine. This is you. Right. And, and I think that a lot of those naysayers are the ones who are hurting the most. Those are the ones that have never right. done what you're attempting to do and so therefore they're jealous or or call it what it is or what it were i I think that you're right i mean that's that's the i really appreciate that perspective that this isn't me this is you
0: yeah this is you well and i've got scrolling down on the screen and and if you're listening to this we put uh travis's website down uh, www.tumalogroup and and so Travis says I'm going to kind of close out here. I'll look for your final thought in just a second. If you're listening, we'd love you to subscribe. Uh, go to Apple Podcast, your favorite podcast source, the The Success Ascent, or www.thesuccessascent.com. So Travis, um, give us one last thought, and, and you know who would be a great person um, to reach out to you in, in your new ventures.
1: Yeah, thanks, Pat. I think that um, one last thought is that we really do need more entrepreneurs. I think that the younger generations that are coming up with new ideas on how to save the planet, how to help humanity in general, we need more entrepreneurs. We need more business people. Of course, we need more scientists and school teachers and doctors and things like that. But I think a lot of times we overlook the fact that we do need more entrepreneurs. And that's what that's who and what we're doing at the Tumalo Group. We're, we're helping entrepreneurs and would-be entrepreneurs bring their products to life and and hopefully help save lives and or enhance lives.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, obviously you've demonstrated that already, Travis, in, in impacting the world with your with the hydro flask and you know, saving obviously the environment and, and the usability of that and also just the coolness of it. So, um, so, Travis, I just want to thank you so much today. You've you've given so much, and thank you for taking your time out. I know you're extremely busy, and uh, we appreciate you. And everybody, as I end each show, I just say be safe, be healthy, and have an awesome day, everybody. Take care. Thanks, Travis.
1: Thank you, Pat. Take care. See ya.
0: If you've not yet subscribed, please go to your favorite podcast source and subscribe to The Success Ascent, or simply go to www dot the success ascent and that's a s c e n t dot com the success ascent.com thanks so much for joining us today we look forward to catching you on the next ascent